0: I've hit a milestone today, Spencer.
1: A, a good one or a bad one?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I wrote my first official sex scene. Ooh. Like, not, you know, just dabbling in it. or Because the way I wrote this scene, initially, I did a Hemingway where I just kind of glossed over it and didn't have the sex explicit. I just went and wrote, like, bodies moved in harmony, and then it just goes, like, it's a paragraph long. I was like, okay, that's cool. But then I decided... This scene needs a second sex scene. Mm. That's sex, and I wrote that scene. Now, I'm not gonna lie; I got a little the whole time I was writing, I was strangely tumescent. I, I, was, I was gonna I was, was kind of engorged. I
1: was gonna say it, the, the story didn't need it. Kev was just feeling Randy. It was
0: all. I think that's what it was. It might not even stay well, in there.
1: See, I see. I just have my picture. My the picture that comes to mind right now is whenever Mister Garrison writes those romance novels, penis,
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. When I was writing that, I had to, like, that kept going through my mind. I'm going to get penis going through my mind over and over. But I was, I was like, how do I say penis without just using, like, dick or cock or being gross about it? So, I can't just write penis all the time. So, you get one penis here, and then maybe a member, a shaft, a head. And I was, because I I wasn't trying to go, like, detailed with it. But still, you have to use the word penis a lot in a sex scene if you want the girls to like it, you know? Um, Also, I'm I'm just, like, my mind went straight perverted because... What happened was my character, the female character after coitus, uh, she's supposed to just get up and she's uh, I don't remember if we talked about this. I incorporate a, a dwarf kind of character who has like a little weird hat and the one kid finds it or something. But anyway, the hat's on the desk and she sees it and she's like, what the fuck is that? She gets up to see it. She puts on her boyfriend's T-shirt and then that it was just supposed to be like a scene. She I want her to be revolted by the hat. And then he's like, what the fuck? That's weird. Uh, And then it was going to, you know, there'll be some kind of unveiling of why this hat has any importance to the story later, you know, because magical fairies and shit. But for some reason, when I wrote that scene, I was like, well, her butt cheeks got to be sticking out. That shirt's not all the way down. (laughs) So I wrote it in such a way where she puts the shirt on and it stops like an inch and a half above the bottom of her butt cheeks. Mm. And I was like, well, if I'm the guy in the bed (laughs) watching that scene, even if I just got done having sex, I'm looking at that. Yeah. And then how do I feel as like a 20 year old?
1: If you were up. If you are, if you won't sleep. Oh, wait. Yeah. well,
0: again, twenty year old. Yeah, these, these are these are youngsters still. That's kind of gross to say, but they're younger adults. They're in their twenties, their early twenties. So I wrote it from the point of view of what if I was seeing this, and then what would I do? And I was like, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna get up naked, swinging dick, and walk over there, and and that's exactly how the sec the scene unfolds.
1: If uh, you're gonna have to go back and edit and work it and like work in um. And as he got out the bed, he walked to her in in his best Vince McMahon, <laughs> <laughs> the Conor McGregor yeah. Vince McMahon yeah. strut,
0: arms swinging. Um, oh, that was you. Yeah. Ew. Don't be touching Ew. my knee under the table during the sex talk. Thought that was Nitro for a minute. I was about to rub your leg. <laughs> <laughs> he like that, but you start scratching yeah. your ear. I'm like, okay, that's getting weird. I don't know how you've got your foot so <laughs> high. <laughs> um, so yeah, first uh. Like I've dabbled, but I've never written a full-on explicit sex scene, and well, I liked it. I liked it.
1: If you want, uh, you know, you know, if you if you want to make write the best sex scenes, you just need to go and look up all of uh, Stephen King's uh, mm. examples. If you want to write some good sex
0: scenes, I think Stephen King and Haruki Murakami can have a good battle of who writes the grosser sex mm. scenes. Not grosser as in like you know pooping and gross stuff, just gross as in. Come on, you old guys. Why are you writing about <laughs> this? Like, this isn't... No. I mean, even
1: when he was young, like, his sex-like scenes yeah. were just kind of like, I mean, they worked. They, you know, they... they suffice. Yeah. That's like
0: Haruki Mirakami. He's like, all right, I just want to get through this.
1: I really want to know if those two have ever met, because I feel like they're just, like, the, like, you know, the same almost, like...
0: Yeah, the completely different writing writers and writing styles, but they just, like, they're a fame, and... Age and everything, they just seem like the kind of like he's the Japanese, and
1: I would somebody should do like a video of like just a parallel of like because they like you said, like they're both are probably around the same age, so like as both of their careers are progressing, yeah. progressing I think that would be like an interesting thing to see.
0: That would be unique because I feel like they probably both got famous around the same age too. Because I think Murakami didn't get famous till he was like in his 30s, and that's like about the same for Stephen King, right?
1: Yeah, because he teaches and stuff for, for a while before Carrie. He teached, he teached.
0: He's the he's the teach. Yeah. Unless you have any other pressing business. I don't really have anything else. Just the uh, sex scene.
1: No, I don't, I don't think I'm good. I'm spent. You're spent. I <laughs> used that. I did. <laughs> I used
0: it at the end. Maybe now it's cliche and I should take it out. I don't know. I don't... I never... Here's, okay, we'll go back to the sex scene. Real quick. <laughs> See, here's where I think I have a good, unique perspective on the sex scene. Just Not just because I haven't really written an explicit sex scene before. But I don't read erotica romance right. or a lot of work that actually has sex scenes in it like that because most of the stuff I read is classic literature. Which if they have sex scenes, it's like Hemingway where it's uh, more about like the emotions and just like you know, not the physical act. It's just everything else and like the feelings and the way the world goes around it. And then even in like Murakami stuff. His stuff is so hammy with the sex scenes. He's just like, oh, then she cupped my balls and stroked my car and it's very robotic and mundane. Like his other stuff, it's like yeah. very mundane sex. And I'm just you read the couple in the uh the one story, but uh, anyway, it's so it's like I'm not getting anything from that. And then Stephen King's kind of the same yeah. way. It's like I'm not getting any I'm not going to want to write that kind of sex scene. So I I'm almost going in like blank slate. So like at least at least the sex scene's going to be my own original style mm-hmm. of writing a sex scene. So that's uh love making scenes Spencer. erotic fornication fornicating uh also trying to because this isn't a sex book at all so trying to keep it, the language like i said i don't want to use like dick or too many swear words but i don't want it to be too scientific like i got him rubbing her clitoris and i'm like mm, i don't know i don't know about that uh first draft folks anyway um after the space music We got a very dry topic for you today. (laughs) It's going to be so dry. You are listening to the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. Ah, doesn't it just feel good to do another episode? Again. And again. and again, and again, in this goddamn hyperbolic time chamber. You would get really buff in here, <laughs> but what do we do? Record thousands of podcasts for no reason. For okay. how many listeners? Who knows? Who knows at this
1: point? For tens of listeners. For tens, for dozens and <laughs> dozens of listeners.
0: Yeah. So anyway, I'm your host of the great podcast you're listening to. I am Caleb James. With me today, Spencer, the Finnish Fancy Frolicker Church. No, I have to ask you this one, because this one confused me a little bit.
1: <laughs> I like how your own name <laughs> confused you, and I have to clarify it.
0: <laughs> how does one frolic fancily in Finland?
1: Well, I could show you, but this is an Audible podcast, so I don't... We say- have to save
0: that for your only fans. Yes. that That's weird, though, that... That's prime content. What makes it fancy is what I, I guess I'm really asking. What makes the frolicking fancy? Because I know frolicking is... It seems kind of fanciful anyway. Yeah. So what makes it Fancy. It's, Are you in like a top
1: hat? Well, you know it's a it's a it's a special uh quality quality that's hard to define. <laughs> you can't quantify <laughs> the
0: fucking frolicking. Yeah, it's it's
1: <laughs> it's very much like um evil or whatever in um H.P. Lovecraft uh, stories. You just can't can't this define kind, it yeah you can't describe it your frolicking
0: borders it borders on the line of insidious yes <laughs> yes there's something menacing about your front they see you They're like that guy's having a good ass time and that f-. wait a, a minute. minute wait a minute why are all the leaves turning like all the grass is turning <laughs> black around his feet what is happening there's something wrong with that guy the fact that he has no pants on <laughs> is besides the point
1: that's the least of the issues
0: by the way when i first thought up that very stupid name it was not frolicking <laughs> no no it was another f word you're going to be the fancy something else that starts with an f that was not frolicking <laughs> so today's episode is uh ooh sponsored by uh sponsored by St. Helen's Church of Jesus and I don't know, I can't episode fucking shitty when it comes to religious stuff i can't even make up a good sounding can't even fake make one. up a good fake christian organization like i was going to say something latter day saints i couldn't even remember what it is i was like what I, the fuck what the, I can't even do my own bit. <laughs> I suck ass. You know what? I accept that. I was Right before you came in, I was about to write an article about I'm a loser. And <laughs> you know what? I am going to, oh, and I lost the article that I was fucking covering today.
1: I was going to say, are we just going to workshop that uh, that article for this episode? Uh,
0: no, no. I'm, you know what? Hold on. Because I,
1: I could probably, yeah, I could probably give some pointers and, you
0: know. I'm being a loser? Yeah. What constitutes a loser? Without being self-deprecating, what would you say makes one a loser, Spencer? I'll tell you what I think. I think a loser is somebody who stops trying. That's Mm. about it. Uh, Because you could be a loser by circumstance. That's not your fault if, like, I don't know, you're born dirt poor in the South. Mm. And, you know, you fucking grew up on a dirt farm. And, like, it's kind of hard not to be a loser in that situation. Usually money is the reason people uh, start out as losers. Oh, oh, that's Spencer Church. I don't want. I should just. The problem is, this is not an article. It's an essay I'm looking up, mm. and the problem with the essay is, it's a fucking downloadable thing. So in my, in my phone, I can never find my downloads for some reason for PDFs. Uh-oh. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know why. Anyway, so what do you think a loser is? You could discuss that while I find this.
1: It's very different. It can mean so many different things, and for so many different people. Uh,
0: an attitude. An attitude. There's could be an, an attitude. attitude.
1: Also, like um, at least personally for me, like the um, the treating of like other, like you know what I mean, the way you act and, and oh yeah, and treat others like you know that kind of at least personally for me, like as I would view some you know somebody else or here's a I mean. good
0: example. There's a popular meme that's going around. Uh, it's been going around. It's Vin Diesel, and he's kind of chubby looking in the picture. He's out of shape, and he's on a yacht, and somebody I guess called him out on it. And then somebody commented. Uh, somebody said, oh, look at him. He, what a loser. And then somebody said, oh, he's a loser, says the guy sh- wearing a shirt not on a yacht. Like, <laughs> right. It's like the guy who fucking is making the bad comment. That's the loser in my book. I don't care if that right. person's financially successful. You know, If you're treating people poorly, you're a loser. If your attitude is bad, you're a loser. And if you don't try, you're a loser. Because I will always say. Somebody who just falls ass backwards like the fucking catch-me-outside girl. You know, she became famous from a stupid catchphrase that wasn't even supposed to be a catchphrase. And then just, like, just act shitty to people and stuff. It's like, that's more of a loser to me than somebody who's, like, an hardened musician who really tries and just, you know, just can't catch a break. But anyway, I don't want to go on that tangent. That could be a different episode. Today's episode is going to be full of words I probably can't say, so... Ooh, Bear my, with me here. My favorites. Your favorite kinds, a.k.a. every episode. We do. Um, I thought this, uh, Ashley sent this to me, actually. I didn't read the whole thing, so it could mm. end up being wrong, Andy. But it's from 1993, so we can't feel too bad. <laughs> Mozartians, Beethovenians, and the teaching of writing. Uh, this is about the style of writing and finding your style. And uh, I think, from what I remember, this is a couple days ago, you can't do like when you're teaching writing classes because a lot of people was like, oh, I got to go to, the you know, creative writing classes and stuff. You can't have a blanket style for all writers. No, you can't have a blanket process, a writing process for all writers. It's not going to work. Everybody's different. So I think that's where we're going to break down some of these. Um. So in this essay from 1993, Diana Christine Boheme, and I do not know this woman, so I apologize if I'm misspelling or mispronouncing her name. Uh, Diana Christine Boheme directly confronts the myth of the sequential writing process finding that writers create as Mozartians or Beethovenians, or sometimes a little of both. Agreeing with Donald Murray, she claims that our job is not to teach students how to write, but to teach how to teach themselves to write. That is, we need to help each of our students find a writing process that works for her. So I thought that was a really interesting point just right there, because like we spot fucking different... You know, I think we're—I I would say we're pretty unbiased when we give you know our stupid advice, but you know about writing processes. But we covered it a couple times on the uh, podcast, and in those episodes, I think we always bring up like you got to do what works for you, though. Uh, we give you some ideas of what we like work works for us and what we think could be beneficial, such as trying to write every day, or you know, always carving out the time to write, or if you can build a specific writing routine, but. That's still kind of a blanket style of going into it because not everybody, you know, functions that way. Some people are binge writers. Some people need to write every day or else they don't. They lose momentum. Uh, Me. Some people, uh, they just write once every year and it's amazing, magnificent, brilliant piece. And then they don't write for another year. Um, I wouldn't mind being that guy. It sounds easier. It
1: would be nice. (coughs) Alan Moore.
0: (laughs) Teaching about the writing process can be dangerous. We who are writing teachers and writers tend to assume that other people, students, will write like we do or like the textbooks say they should. We perpetrate a myth, Spencer. That's what we're, as teachers, because I'm reading this from us now. Okay. Me and you. I'm going to take this essay. I'm going to, it's me and you now. This is our, this is our wisdom here. We're the writing teachers now. And we say we perpetrate, that's a weird word. We perpetrate a myth. Uh, The writing process has an element of mystery poets resort to mystical measures in pursuit of their elusive muse you're a muse guy you like finding that sexy se- no i'm not going back into the sex stuff uh you find that hardened uh bro- No, that doesn't work either how do you, how do you make a muse not sexy cuz i always think of a muse as a sexy lady well, maybe that's just my yeah. muse it's
1: yeah of course that yeah i don't i would be a little worried if you if your muse was like ron jeremy
0: ooh I mean somebody's gotta have a muse like that, right? It can't all just be like sexy slut tinkerbell. Like it's gotta be, you know, some maybe like David Bowie or something.
1: I would not be like if, if there was a a um like a
0: uh a total th- or, um You're saying words but nothing's really coming <laughs> nothing, out. Nothing
1: nothing. Um like if you took like a tally of people, like you know what I mean, uh, right? Consensus. I'm sure that a poll, it, a if you poll, will. a this poll. A yes, uh, a lot of them would be to the sexy tinkle bail. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like uh,
0: I like how you went for the harder words. A tally consensus. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, you can think of the word poll. <laughs> It'd be a long episode. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um. But recent research into the intricate workings of the brain, coupled with the disdain of both teachers and students for the mediocre writing, often produced by formulas, have provided some exciting insights for the teaching of writing, among them the fact that the writing process is highly individualistic. Now, I do agree with that, but I will say this. We have hit an era of very formulaic writing, in my opinion. At least what's uh, best-selling, or just most available, such as uh, in the indie scene. I feel like everybody took the same creative writing class because i could you could hand me like a stack of indie authors and i would be like and it'd be like some of these are the same author and some of these are different authors and i would read through and be like i ah, mm, same they're all the same yeah. uh, it's, i don't know uh and you can even uh, like James Patterson style Ugh. very formulaic in the way they tell story, you know, because I say they because uh, he's not a they them but he might as well be because he always has somebody co-writing his books I think he just tells them to write this he just gets other people to do the for- like he comes up with the formula for the story and it works for him and everything he sells so he just tells somebody else to do it or co-writes it if you can I feel like he just probably like alright this is what I want to happen in this scene and then they write it you know themselves
1: uh, what I was gonna say is to go back to what was that uh last week's episode, I feel like like how we both of us were talking about like that kind of goes with like your voice. Mm-hmm. You know, and how I think like at least both of us, at least for like at where we're at now, I think like if you would put our, you know, stories in a stack of other people, and yeah. uh, they might not be able to be like, Oh, that's a Spencer or Caleb story, but like They're somebody else. That's that's a different, you know, somebody else wrote that.
0: It's interesting when I go over submissions, there's always a a batch, usually right in the middle of the submission period, especially during Halloween, where every story reads the same. And I just like, I mean, I don't want to outright reject people because sometimes like the stories are good. It's just they're they're the same style of writing down to the fucking punctuation and everything, which you can tell a lot of times when it's like, oh, this person's relying heavily on Grammarly or Microsoft's words editor or whatever it is. So their writing comes across as very universal, and you know you get multiple people like that you're like, "I want to blow my fucking head off." This is getting very tedious. I don't even want to read these stories because it's amazing how if you read enough stories, even if they're, the quality's really good, but the writing's just, like just mm. the same, you just don't care anymore you're just like i don't I want some, I want something different. I like steak, but sometimes I want a fucking burger you know um oh yeah, I, I like grabbing it from the back. it feels like balls. Doesn't feel like balls, but it's just like the most. <laughs> I was,
1: like, was going to say, like, what are you like? You're going <laughs> to oh. knock, Dick <there>, Caleb. <laughs>
0: People didn't see that. Grab the back of my mic. It's like, i got these fancy. Shut up. Uh, so, anyway, yeah, you know, you want your hair Ready to be individualistic. It is also recursive, not linear. The teacher who prescribes a careful sequence of steps fails to recognize that while those steps may be successful for students who think in linear, step-by-step ways, they will create only frustration for those whose thinking processes are different. This is an interesting point because I am, like we've discussed in last episode actually, I am very linear with my writing style. I just go A to Z. I don't you know I'll take notes and stuff if I come up with a scene idea and even maybe write out some of that scene, but I just you know throw are not to decide till I get to it. Some people can't do that they you know oh this scene would be cool and they have to write out the whole scene as it is, and almost like movie making usually movie makers they go you know they storyboard they just we're gonna shoot in the end today we're shooting yeah. this part to you know
1: yeah the, they, they they shoot it whenever they have the time or the all out of order yeah and then it just gets taken care of in the editing process.
0: Um, of course, the screenplay is obviously not like... I mean, it could be written like that. Uh, as in, whoever wrote the screenplay could... I'm going to write this scene, and then I'll go back and write the beginning. But, uh, you know, it just reads as one narrative.
1: Uh, I was actually thinking about this today at work because of the uh, the story that I'm working on. I'm finally signing again to get into some of the big uh bits of action. I remember a couple of episodes ago, we both had concerns with a story of taking too long to get too to build up. Yeah. So, because like the stuff that I have in the beginning, I like it. And I think it's good for like the character and for motivation and stuff. But I was thinking about maybe once I get done with this first draft, going back and retooling it and maybe start closer to the action and like rearrange it, rearrange it and ha- or like, you know, have like a, you know, cliffhanger at the end of the, uh, of a chapter and then jump back to a thing like with his family for a, for a chapter, right? And then go back, you know what I mean? So that not only does it give him suspense, like a little bit more suspense, it makes him want to continue reading, makes it, it interesting, you know one. what I mean? And then doesn't feel
0: like an exposition dump, yeah, because it's not just like oh, you get all the character information right off the bat, then the story starts. Um, I, yeah, because I was thinking about that in my, you know, my novel here. I'm like, hey. Like, this is cool. I like how I started it and stuff and, and the way these scenes unfold and, like, the character interaction. But how do I, and I made sure this was a point before I even really started writing. It's like, how am I going to unveil their backstory and stuff, you know, without just having it, okay, here it is, right in your face. Like, I, I decided small increments throughout the story, you know, you'll get, like, uh, Nicholas Obergon does a great job of that. Mm-hmm. Like, in Blue Light Yokohama, he unveils this guy's uh, backstory almost as a mystery that isn't concluded until the end. So the whole time, you're like, oh, I want to know more. I want to know more. And it's when you finally get to the end, you get your revelations. And,
1: like, what he does good with his is, like... Um,
0: flashbacks and stuff, too.
1: The flashbacks and, like, each time, um, even with, like, you know, Iwata, his main character, like, it, early on, you get these things of, like, you know, kind of dark, lonely, mysterious, you know, something bad happened, but you don't know what. Yeah. And then you, as you slowly find out those pieces in between the stuff that's going on at the moment it really uh it uh the way that it changes the way you feel about a character um
0: and not to mention the way he's able to meld the character story and backstory with the mystery that's going on because he's searching for like a killer so you get all the stuff unraveling and then it's like oh Why, like, the serial killer, like, they find out some new information, and it kind of goes back to this information. Mm -hmm. Is it related? I don't know. And it makes you just want to explore the story a lot more. But back to the essay, Spencer, because I know that's what you really want to talk about. Research also shows that image and metaphor play a greater role in writing than usually credited. Do you agree with that?
1: Maybe. I don't know. Continue.
0: Many of our most fascinating ideas come not as a result of careful logical reasoning, but from a flash of insight, a brief image, a poignant memory imagination cannot be willed or controlled by logic yet it is the essence of each writer's uniqueness of writing which impacts our minds and hearts another thing i fully agree with uh because both of us we talked about this not too long ago about how our stories come about just from like usually just like an image or a phrase or just like a memory just like some random things i don't think most people just sit there and they go hey you know it'd be a cool story if a guy named Brad Henry walks down the street and gets hit by a car, and, th- and like they just they don't unravel it like that. It's usually like you know you smell exhaust fume in a parking lot and you go, "Hmm, I, I could, wonder what, what would what could that be?" Yeah, what would that was like? Hmm. Or, or here's a good instance. This is very morbid. Uh, folks that don't want uh, gory details, tune out for a second. While I was working today, I was driving down one of the main roads in our city, and uh, right where the, the beer district is. And I seen, I seen it, Spencer. I seen it. Uh, a, a gentleman was laying on the sidewalk, gushing blood out of his head. Blood was gushing out of his head. And I went and I was, I was on my way to get fuel up my truck. So I got fuel and I'm like, well, I'm going to go back. Now I see what's going on. And I was only like five minutes to fuel up. And then I was going back and there was two cop cars, an ambulance, some kind of paramedic van and a fire truck. And I look, and there was a lady there, like, cradling the guy. And he was—he looked dead. Like, he wasn't moving at all. And there was more blood, and they picked him up, and they put him in the thing. And his hat was laying there, and the it was dark crimson blood. Ooh. And it was a big pile, like a big puddle. And I was like, holy shit. And I, you know, because luckily the stoplight was there, so I really got the gawk. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, I go on my way, and I'm just thinking, like, did that guy get shot, or did he get hit by a car. My first thought was a cop hit him cuz they like I thought a cop ran him over cuz there was a cop car there when I initially first drove by cuz uh, they were speeding past me but I think they were speeding to the scene. I would hope so anyway. But yeah, that was just that was a very morbid thing to see today and I was like Did I see and then your mind starts do I see brains? Like <laughs>
1: well, well, that's like uh this was years ago. I was leaving my buddy's house and it was like it was like late at night. Like I was there until like it was like 11 11:30. I was driving back home and I was coming around like there's, like, a, um, uh, by where I live, there's an, uh, an overpass, uh, that goes over the highway into another part of town, and, like, I came up that way, and there was just, like, this little, not little, he's probably, like, 13, 14, but just fat kid just sitting on the edge of the corner of the one thing. Oh. And I was like, well, that's weird. And then, like, the next night I was over at my buddy's house. I drove back, and I can't, and he was there again. I'm like, what the fuck's this kid doing? What's going on? <laughs> oh. like, and that was even before, like, the whole writing thing. I just started, like, thinking in, thinking head in my yet. head, like, what the fuck's going on? Like, what is this? You got a death wish, son.
0: Who's he waiting on? <laughs> you probably should have just called the cops. Uh, yeah, so things like that, you know. Just those little things that spark the imagination of us writers, and I wonder if non-writers have that. If they like play, because I'm always having stupid fantasies. Like most of my days, just spent thinking about things that will never happen.
1: That probably depends on it. like people who probably like watch a lot of shows and stuff like that, yeah. or even like reading. They probably do, but like those people who are in jo- who, j- who you know who just don't like doing that stuff. That's just never their thing. I wouldn't think that they would have, like, ideas like that. Yeah. They'd probably have ideas, like, they saw something, like, that needed to be fixed or something. they probably come up with, like, a thousand ideas on how you could do that. Those it's are just- the
0: people who get, like, YouTube ads, ads are for. Like, they watch mm. a YouTube ad, and they're like, yeah, I want it. Because they don't have the, cre- like... I don't know, that creative energy in them where, you know, they're watching the YouTube video and they're thinking, oh, man, you know it would be really cool and come up with a story idea. No, they just, like, are watching the YouTube video for entertainment and then the ad comes on and they're like, hey, I could buy that. that. And, like, that's just, uh, you know, some people are wired that way.
1: Yeah, there's nothing wrong or bad about know. it. It's just, yeah, it's just how each pe- person
0: is. It's awful and I don't like you. By the way, our sponsor, no. uh, also, Spencer, because this is a question I know you're dying for me to ask you.
1: And I should probably know the answer then. Why well,
0: you might, you might. So you know, we talk about the uniqueness of writing minds and hearts and all that stuff. So, my question: so where does a writing teacher begin? It's <laughs> a horrible segue. Oh,
1: yeah, uh, considering I've never taught anything, I don't even like training people at work, let alone yeah. teach, like trying to teach writing. <laughs>
0: oh, I let, don't. Let me just get with the essay. Yeah, let's see what the essay says. The the. John, a conscientious, orally expressive student, appears in my office frustrated and totally blocked. I guess I'm just not a writer. I know what I plan to say when I get into my essay, he tells me, but I just can't seem to find a way to write the introduction to get the writing started.
1: <laughs> I kind of like started out Southern, and but then switched it up <laughs> to
0: like, I don't even know. <laughs> So, why don't you write the parts you already have in mind and see if that will suggest an introduction, I offer. His jaw drops. Can you do that? he asked. Somewhere over the years, the idea became ingrained in his thinking that the only right way to write was from introduction through to conclusion. When that didn't work, he concluded that he could not write, so this would be somebody that can't write beginning to end. They have to go scene by scene. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. Our job, suggests Donald Murray in Write to Learn, is not to teach students how to write, but to teach them how to teach themselves to write. Our, okay, now we're recovering a lot. Let me get to the actual essay here. Oh, wait a minute—they do break well, it down.
1: I was gonna say kind of like to cover that point a little bit more. Writing is like kind of like the opposite of math. You don't have to show your work. No. You just need you just need the answer.
0: You don't have to show your work, and going by a formula is usually the wrong move sponsor yep. your math analogy yes yeah i guess i should go on with this because i thought this was there's titles but i read them wrong so i went to the simplified version not of the essay it's <laughs> the the website version oh okay it was like
1: say that's messed up if your essay has like a simple version well on the
0: website it had like these big headings and on the simplified version it's not but i couldn't read the essay because it was like microscopic print on the on the uh, actual website which i don't even know what it is it's, a, it's a nwp.org whatever that is i have a feeling this is going to delve into because it's going mozart and beethoven so i feel like this is going to go into discovery writer versus like an organized plan writer like an outliner uh because i believe if i'm correct because i was a big into beethoven when i was a young because um, we took recorder In school, and I like playing Beethoven. Uh,
1: I like the dog
0: movies. And I also did a little Mozart when I was teaching myself uh, how to play piano when I was a teenager. I only remember very little of that. But from what I remember being taught in school about Beethoven, I think was just because he was like going deaf and stuff. I think he was more of like the free flowing jazz kind of guy. He just you know came up with stuff all on the fly. Mozart, he was very organized and to the point, and had the things planned out and shit. And I like the name Amadeus. I don't know if you're a big fan of that name, but I, if, if I could have picked a name for my mother to name me, it would have been Amadeus Caleb.
1: You just want a song. <laughs> Shut up. I don't want a song. I do want a
0: song. There is <laughs> no songs with the name Caleb in it that I know of.
1: Amadeus, Amadeus.
0: <laughs> so our uh, off-kilter educated hillbilly was asking about, uh, you know, how to write or something. So we're going with, but Donald Murray has to say, I don't know who Donald Murray is, but he wrote a book called Right to Learn. So he says, our goal then is to help our students develop successful rituals in their writing processes. As we demystify the writing process, we also reduce students' anxiety about writing, for they discover that there is no one right or wrong way to write. That, the, the word right is coming up in too many different instances here. There's no right way to write. And you oh, right, yeah. It's just fucking too much, man. Somebody
1: so, did a very bad job of writing this.
0: I don't know who Miss Diana is, but I'm going to tell her you said if she's still alive. This is like 30 years ago now. Oh, that makes me sick. (laughs) 30 years ago? So there's no right or wrong way to write. That learning to write is a process of discovering what will help them be successful. The more strategies of writing that students develop, the less likely they are to block. The more they will be able to discover what works for them and for a variety of writing assignments. Individual differences provide a place to begin. Writing about his fellow poets, Stephen Spender concluded that they came in two types: Beethovians and Mozartians. I say keep saying Mozartians, but could it be Mozart? Nah, it can't be. It has to be Mozartians. It's like Martians.
1: Mozesian's?
0: No, nah, there's an R in there. Uh, I don't like it though. So Stephen Spender concluded that they come in two types: Beethovians and Mozartians. Mozartians. Research suggests a third kind of writer. What do you think it is? What you know? <laughs> was that, was no, was that? nothing,
1: nothing, nothing. Gwendol g- riders, Gwendolen's It's a
0: Gwendolyn. Yeah. Just made that up. Yeah, just saying things because you read that Gwendy book. Yeah, That's the word well, on. Well, those
1: are trying to think of, like Gwendolins.
0: Oh. uh, it's just combination oh. of the two. That's all the answer was.
1: So what's that called? Mosaicin
0: Bautoviansins. Bozartians. Ooh, that's what I, I like it. With. Or meat <laughs> I like meat does There's
1: a comment section at the end of that. You need to put that in there.
0: meat <clears throat> Um, so, <laughs> but Beethoven's... <laughs> if I could throw the word meat into everything, I would. Beethoven's are discoverers. They discover what they want to say during the process of writing. In other words, they write to generate ideas composed to find out what they have to say. Their writing is non-directed, reflexive, characterized by multiple messy drafts they are right brain processors visual thinkers high imagers allowing image and metaphor to structure their first drafts that's that's more me probably yeah also i just want to point out i read a thing recently could have been scientific america could have been newsweek i don't fucking remember but apparently the whole left brain right brain thing that they always say oh your left brain or your right brain bullshit utter horseshit. Apparently, everybody's just a combination of something or other. Up there, with the extremes the, might be one yeah. or the other, but very rare.
1: Up there with the uh, the whole using two percent of your brain or whatever it is, ten percent of your brain. Yeah,
0: A.K.A. a vegetable. If you only use ten percent of your brain, that's like I can breathe and that's about it. My heart pumps. I
1: just don't think they don't. They still don't know a lot what goes on out there
0: in your brain. Yeah. Oh, they know it all. No, they don't. I I have a working theory. What if the universe is just a giant brain where you're just the consciousness of some greater being?
1: You're just like a, um, your whole life is just like an, a, uh, uh, neuron-like yeah. spark.
0: Everything is just like the whole universe, just electro impulses yeah. in the brain. What if it's your brain, Spencer? I'm a tumor, I'm a tumor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: basically. <laughs> basically.
0: Uh, so Mozartians, Mozartians, people who are Mozart, on the other hand, are planners, They plan extensively, either mentally or on paper or both, and then execute. Ooh, I like that word. Execute. It's hard. It's a hard word. We need to do an episode on hard writing, how to use the proper words when they're needed, because I found that in my sex scene where I was like, ooh, the word hard's good. Stiff is mm." mmm. Then I was thinking more on it. Now, what do I do for the climax here? No pun intended. Ejaculate? Mmm, too scientific, but it could be more formal. And then I was like, ooh, but what's a good hard word for that? Explosion? um eruption like it makes you think grosser things the more you go into it burst burst is a good one oh, i'm sorry but eruption is the one Drift. i wanted to go dri- ooh, dribbled uh, eruption i i feel like that's gross if i read eruption i'm like mm. well
1: that also like i feel like you would have to have like that needs like a crazy sex scene like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're, like, they're, they're eru- rolling around the whole room and picking erupting. each other up and stuff. Like-
0: erupting is better than eruption. Eruption just feels like, I don't know, just makes me think of like squeezing a boil like or a volcano. Those are the only two things I think of when I hear eruption. And then if you go, like, the woman's erupting. Whoa, what's coming out of there? Um, also, I'm highly aware, folks, for anybody's listening and questioning this, uh, I am very aware that I probably focus more on the man's pleasure and the man aspect of the sex scene. I will rework that. I will make the woman have equal or even more, depending how on the mood I am. It's just I was writing with one hand at the point in time, and, uh, you know, you know how it goes. Unless if you just make
1: your character a bad lay, and then there wouldn't be They're any- young.
0: They're both probably bad. <laughs> I don't want to go into it too much because I am a 35-year-old man now, so it makes me feel kind of gross to think that, like, when I was twenty years old, these characters would have been five. <laughs> <laughs> these these fake made up people. Let's finish this article before we go into an hour long. <laughs> the combinations do not rely on a particular method or strategy to write, varying the writing process according to a sign Okay, we get the point. We get the point. So rationalist assumptions here. Spencer. Pancers and Pancers. Yeah, I don't think we need a whole essay to fucking figure that one out. I think it's been figured out a long time ago. 1993 to be specific. <laughs> at least, specific. at the least, probably before, <laughs> but <I don't> <laughs> uh, oh, I'm erupting. <laughs> you could you imagine if somebody was ejaculating there? I'm erupting! <laughs> I'm bursting forth. That's, that's when you want to get more biblical. He's bursting forth at the seams. <laughs> it's a lot of fun when you really stop to think about all the gross things you could say in a non-gross manner. Like, how do I make something? Because spitting DNA into each other's mouths is gross. So how do you do it in a way that doesn't sound gross? I don't know why it's got to be a mouse, but that's just me. Okay, so rational assumptions, Spencer. Writing, especially academic writing, has often been taught as a logical, step-by-step process, as if all students were Mozartians. In fact, American education as a whole, sucks ass, (laughs) focuses on the left brain, on the processes of reason and logic and linear thinking, downplaying imaginative, intuitive, nonlinear right brain processing. Rationalist assumptions have governed education at all levels, ignoring intuitive, imaginistic ways of knowing, with little or no attention given to whole brain thinking until recently. So 1993, whole brain thinking. 1992 and before to the beginning of time, you're one or the other. You didn't get to use your whole brain. That's why some got eaten by the lion, some fed the lion, some... I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. Is there anything I can take away from this? Maybe the emotion... I'm not reading this whole thing now because some of these... is, is It's going really into the hemispheres. And like I said, I think, I'm i pretty sure this got pointed out as just kind of malarkey. Well, I mean, I get what they're saying. They're saying you got to use your whole brain. uh, But you always use your fucking whole brain.
1: Um, Even right now, though, it seems like we are not. Me and Caleb are using our full brain. It's just not a lot of power. <laughs> yeah.
0: We're like uh, a fucking, you know, 2006 fucking PC. I was
1: going to say, we're like a hamster world trying to power a city.
0: And that hamster only has three legs. (laughs) Emotion and patterning. Attitudes and outlook play an important role in writing. Did you know that? Sure. The search for meaning in the mind occurs through patterning. The brain's natural tendency to integrate information to create meaning. Emotions are critical to patterning. For learning to take, a student must be involved and free from threat. Students who feel they do not fit, who are unhappy or anxious, cannot learn effectively, nor can they write well. When teachers of writing tell their stories about writing and share their own writing, we model the multiplicity Oh my god, my fucking head's melting reading this. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I can't do it no more. Can't do it no and I can't link this in the show notes because like I said, this is like a downloadable PDF website. I don't know, it's weird. I don't know what it came up as, but uh they're just they're just telling bullshit. Uh then it goes on about writers and rituals. We've covered that on the podcast. Uh, This is... Holy shit. Holy shit. Yeah, we'd be here for three hours. I read all this. I will tell you about the author, though. Diane Christian Boheme. I think I called her Christine because I wouldn't think a woman would have the middle name Christian, but it's Christian. Diane Christian Boheme wrote this article while serving as a member of the Minnesota Writing Project and teaching composition at the University of Michigan, Flint, and Saginaw Valley State University. She is now director of the Saginaw Bay Writing Project and continues to teach the Saginaw Valley State. I feel like I'm changing the name every time I read it. Uh, Yeah, so she's a teacher. Okay, Uh, I got that from the thing. I feel like we didn't cover much ground in that episode. So I would like to reiterate, when you're writing a sex scene, what you want to do is describe the goo in a way yeah. that isn't gross. How do you or do gross? I, I will say I did not talk about the goo. And I did start my sex scene unsexily with the condom, just so you know. He brought out the condom, but did not show it put on. Leave that. The imagination of the reader, if it was used or not.
1: Didn't didn't describe the color of it or if it glows in the dark.
0: Mm, I'm trying to get sponsored by Trojan.
1: If it flavor if it had a flavor.
0: Or Durax if I want to go flavoured. I feel like bananas are go to. Was <laughs> it ribbed for her pleasure, Caleb? I don't like ribbed condoms. <laughs> they feel weird. They're thick. They're so thick. They're not the... for you. Just tie a string around your peep. <laughs> they're not yeah, no. They're, they're for the <laughs> for the lady to have that strong gross latex smell yeah i hate that smell i would use a sheepskin if i had to (laughs) over that fucking stinky shit oh and i almost brought it up in my story it was like after you take that thing off if you want to like you decide oh hey how about we do some you know downtown munching that smell (laughs) has ruined everything apparently i'm just very like you know keen to that or not keen that's not, I'm sensitive not Sensitive to that smell because like after it's used i always took at dirty diapers that's what it <laughs> smells like to me like latex dirty diaper it's gross who the fuck wants that yeah yeah so if i read a story that uh the scene's not supposed to be sexy, i'm including all that information because that's seared into my brain uh so folks what the fuck was this episode about we read a, a half a essay about right brain left brain that's that's where it uh, devolved into but beethoven mo- and and sexy it just seemed like a very fancy way to cover something we've covered at least three times now yeah. which was uh are you a pantser or are mm-hmm. you a uh, uh outliner pretty much i did like the message that it's not wrong to be either mm-hmm. because a and- lot of people are taught in schools which is why I, I picked that article is uh academics teach one way and that's why people like us hated school because we probably didn't learn the way they're teaching, which is very linear, very boring. And uh, I feel like most people don't learn the way that's taught.
1: And it, uh, don't be afraid to switch it up a little bit because it might change from project to project. That's true. So
0: I've written stories where I needed outlines and I've written stories where they came out way better if I just, you know, didn't think about it and just uh, just found my way. Can I rail on the establishment real quick? Go. The educational establishment. Do it. Real talk. Real talk. 100. Keep it in 100. Cap? No cap. No, no cap. cap. No cap. Caps off. Like, Woo! Capless. All oh, that build up I forgot I was going to say.
1: <laughs> Something <laughs> about the education system. <laughs> uh
0: It was a really good point to be made,
1: but... They're so bad that uh Caleb can't remember his own facts. Can't even
0: remember the facts I had. I was going to spit them, too. Um... I don't know. It, it it doesn't really matter. I don't think anybody gives a fuck. Uh, we know the school system sucks in every way possible at this point. Uh, so, folks, if you want to check out our fiction, hey, can I bring up something very depressing, Spencer? <laughs> if you can remember it. I actually almost forgot until I was doing the outro here. This is, this is you. This is about <laughs> you, sir. Okay. You ready to fucking feel like a piece of sh- hunk of dog shit? Okay. Your last article, because I was yeah. going through the numbers today, your last article on drug pen writing was, was published November 13th thir- or 12th. November 12th, 2021. Yeah. Your last story. Do you even want to guess when the last yeah, well, story was published? Before
1: then, I would assume. Space War Story. Oh, God.
0: Was oh, that's May like, 15th.
1: Almost a year ago.
0: 2021. You're coming up on a year since you wrote a story for the site. And... More than half a year since you had any kind of article in here. I was just looking because Ashley's been putting on a bunch of book reviews lately, and I'm oh, like, okay. I need to start putting stuff. And I was looking at my, I was like, when's the last time I wrote something? So it was just like last week. So I was like, okay, that's not too bad. What about that Spencer guy? Bad. Mm. Bad. Somebody want to fucking fix that buster. Okay. I don't know, whatever, who cares. Anyway, that's com. if you want to read Spencer's work that he just decides not to keep up on anymore because he wants to be a hermit.
1: Long, long time ago.
0: I would like to think you haven't been working on this one story since 2021. No. No, oh, you did a bunch. Of, you did, a, yeah. yeah. You turned like five. Wow. You know what?
1: Well, the stories for the for the collections, and then stories for my own thing. Yeah, yeah. It's You're just nothing, working. It's just nothing for the website.
0: Nothing for the fans who can read it now. Yeah. I feel like we're the South Park episode where they meet George R. R. Martin. Oh. He keeps talking about the dragons are coming. The dragons are coming.
1: The book is coming. The, the book is coming. The
0: stories are coming. The book is coming. Everything's going to come at once is what's going to happen. Just like the guy in my story, <laughs> everything is just going to come at once, and then the fans are going to be inundated with too much stuff, and then they're probably not going to buy any of it because like they put too much shit out now. <laughs> uh, anyway, you can check us out on Twitter at Drunk penwriting and Instagram and Facebook. At drunken pen writing, and if you're into frolicking and you want it seen done fancily, fancifully—is it fancily or fancifully? I fancy. I think I've, I'm wrong both ways. You know what? You talk while I do uh, that. No topic <laughs> at hand. Just ramble,
1: ramble, and gibble jabble, and and whatever.
0: Fanciful's a word. Fanciful, yeah. Fancifully. Oh, is- you
1: actually wrote wrote it down?
0: No, I just looked it up.
1: Oh. I mean, I thought whenever you came up with the name earlier in the day, yeah, you you wrote it down. No,
0: it was in my this still trap of a mind uh, I got. Yes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Spencer. Fancyly is also a word. So fuck it. I'm double right. I was Uh, double right, not double wrong. I'm. I can do all three with my. What is a what is a double positive? Anyways, OnlyFans, the Finnish fancy frolicker, and you're frolicking in the fields. I wish it didn't have to be alliteration because I feel like your fan your frolicking is definitely more insidious than anything. Oh yeah. It is scaring people. <laughs> it is is demented is a good word.
1: Animals won't come around when I do it.
0: Nothing comes around but you. <laughs> You're the only thing coming in that field, buddy.
1: Uh so anyway That's my sex scene.
0: Oh just while frolicking? Yeah. It's kind of impressive. <laughs> uh still doesn't beat Stevo who jumped out of an airplane. <sighs> Joking off. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that video because I went to his comedy show and he showed it and it was very gross. So fans, if you like our content, give us a like and share. Oh my God, what is happening? Mm. I'm telling I'm telling them the things I should always tell them that I never do. Yeah. Like and share. Show, subscribe. Review. Give stars. Uh, Subscribe. Everything else you could possibly do.
1: Isn't there a donate button?
0: If that still works, there's a mm-hmm. donate button on the website. Also, if you like the outro music, which is the same as the intro music, uh, let us know, because Spencer's brother apparently doesn't like change, so he thinks the music is just okay. He
1: just needs more time to to get into it.
0: I like it more than the old music, because the old music was harsh to my ears. <laughs> it was supposed to be filler that we just never changed, and the fans, I don't even think they, li- nobody liked it, it was just like you said, they just were used to it. You know what, fucks? Space music out.